Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We are recording this on a Tuesday morning, and the shocking news that we're leading off with is the Wizards lost a game. Who saw it coming? You know who saw it coming? Ben Standig saw it coming, because when he picked the remaining games on the schedule last week, he had the Wizards win all of them, and then you know what? He thinks they're going to lose to the Spurs. The Spurs are the intuitive loss there. And then guess what? They go to overtime with the Spurs. They end up losing. Bradley Beal has a late technical foul call. DeMar DeRozan goes for 37 or whatever it was without hitting a three. Crazy offense in that game. They end up losing in overtime, but they've still won 10 out of 12. Defense has been much better. They're legitimately hot as they go into a nationally televised game against the Lakers on Wednesday. And here to talk about it is the... The schedule Nosodamus himself, Ben Standing. Wait, I thought this was an emergency uh, Mo Wagner signs with Orlando podcast. What are we doing here? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I said Nosodamus. It's I'm tired enough this morning. I'm tired enough from covering a good team now, which I apparently have forgotten how to do that I'm saying Nosodamus instead of Nostradamus. That's where we're at. But here we go. Close enough. Let's talk Wagner. Let's talk the guy who leads the league in charges per 36 minutes still for a second straight season. Sure. Um, let, let's, uh, let, let's do that. I will say this. like a, a lot of the times I think whether people are conscious of this of, or, or not, like when, we, when people talk about players they think are good or bad, it is really just about aesthetics that you enjoy on some level. And I will just say that defensively, I much prefer the Daniel Gafford model to being in the paint than the Mo Wagner model. The, the, I, I'm not a big charge guy, let's just say. So that's not my ideal paint defense. Gafford being active, mobile, at the rim, aggressive. Uh, I'll take that version. You know who else will take that version? Scott Brooks. Yeah, I was going to say the Wizards because that's what they did. Uh, and, and you know what? Contesting shots as a big man turns out has some value. I mean, Wagner, the thing with Wagner is that he just never, he wouldn't contest shots. Everything was either a charge or a block, and that was it. And he wouldn't contest shots. And and you know what's a, a crazy thing with the Wizards? You look at this streak. They're just doing so much of a better job of contesting shots in general. And this isn't a Mo Wagner point anymore. This is a, a Wizards improving on defense point. They're doing so much of a better job contesting shots at the rim. You look at the advanced stat data. And they've got 10 guys who are in the top 10 right now in contesting shots at the rim, according to the Second Spectrum tracking data. So on layups and dunks that Mo Wagner, or not Mo Wagner, Robin Lopez, Alex Len, and Daniel Gafford contest, all those guys are in the top 10 in terms of percentage allowed on the rim, on, the, on those types of shots, just layups and dunks that they contest at the rim. It's a huge change. Uh, they're playing a guy who can actually make a difference at the rim pretty much all the time. Uh, 
with that three center rotation. It's still kind of weird and crazy and quirky, and I don't even know what to make of it that they're playing a three center rotation, but it does give someone who actually makes an impact, whether it's a shot blocker like Gafford or just kind of a shot annoyer like Lopez. And it's made a difference for their defense. They were terrible contesting at the rim for two and a half years straight, and now they're not at all. It's made a big difference. You know, I um, I, I have the memory of a gnat. I assume gnats have no memory. Uh, so, so like, you know, if we were going to do a thing of like, what's been the most impressive aspect of during this winning streak? I, I don't know what I would would would, would tell you uh, definitively. But I, one thing that stood out to me, especially in the recent games, was when they played Cleveland the other night. And like, you know, there's always those players for any given team that you kind of look at with like, mm, that should have been our guy or something like that. And like Jared Allen, like who knows if Washington would have ever actually drafted him with, with the pick that they traded in the Nicholson Bogdanovich trade. But you always kind of looked at that as like, oh, this is part of it. You know, they don't keep Bogdanovich, and this Jared Allen guy is a, you know turning into a pretty good thing. And he's the type of athletic, mobile, above the rim big man that this team has lacked for a long time. I mean, Cortot was obviously very good, but a below the rim kind of center, Mahini as well. And then you see Gafford playing against Jared Allen the other night. And I'm not saying that Gafford is as good as Jared Allen, who is, you know, becoming a pretty interesting young big in this league. But it is from, a, you know, for the first time in forever, the Wizards have a physically gifted player comparable to that that they could use out there in a, in a you know, in the same way and have somebody who is mobile and rangy and, and you know, could run the court and all that stuff uh, play above the rim. And it was really interesting to see it, that dynamic, especially against, like I said, a guy who, who you know, at least in my head, and I think probably for some others as well, is sort of the the poster child of what they've been lacking on some level at that position because of that trade. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He can hang with those guys. Uh, and and what's, I mean, there are so many players like that in the league, just kind of the big, athletic, above-the-rim center who's going to rim run, who's going to set screens, who's going to block shots. There are a lot of guys like that. I mean, the Knicks have multiple. You got Mitchell Robinson there. Yeah, Nerlens Noel, who's who's having a great year. He was incredible uh, the the other day against Toronto. I mean, he just destroyed them. Uh, and he's having a, a great defensive season. He's you know that that guy who you can bring in the energy big who's going to be really athletic. There are the Jared Allens. There are you know on the high level. There's your Clint Capella and your Rudy Gobert. There are just so many big men like that. Javale. There's so many guys out there who you can just kind of go pluck. And the difference, what the Wizards kind of have to figure out with Gafford. And there's no way they can know for sure. And obviously so far, the returns are extremely encouraging. Is what level of that type of big man is he? Because if he's really valuable, basically like Jared Allen or better, all of a sudden you've got a, you've got a guy who you're going to get who, who's, who's really, who's unique, you know? Uh, and if he's Nerlens Noel, then obviously that's a very helpful player, an extremely helpful player. Uh, but it's it's a different kind of level, and it's a more common type of player because it still fits that mold of athletic, springy, shot blocking, but chases too many blocks, and uh, you know doesn't always finish around the rim and that kind of stuff. And 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 those are more common, a little easier. A little easier to get and, and obviously a lot cheaper on the market where centers, you know, seem to, unless you're a really awesome center, centers really seem to cap out around the mid-level exception based on last year's market. 
Uh, and, and so the Wizards have plenty of time to figure it out. There's no rush. Gafford's under contract for two more years. In a very team-friendly contract, he makes less than $2 million a year over the next two. It's like one point eight and one point nine or something like that each of the next two. I mean, it's extremely team friendly. It's one of the reasons they made the deal. And the Wizards have plenty of time to figure it out, but it's just it's gonna be a really interesting thing to track because the returns so far are obviously extremely encouraging. Uh he did not play great against San Antonio, I'd say one of his worst games, but with the Wizards, but he has been really good and they're ten and two when they have him on the court. And they won ten of their last twelve. And by the way, over this ten out of twelve streak, they're still fifth in the league in defensive efficiency, fifth in the league in points allowed per possession, uh, even after giving up a million points to the Spurs last night. So the, the defense has been, it's been legit, and he's obviously been a really big contributor to that. It's been it just it just a clearly a really clever pickup by them, surely. Uh, that is true, but please stop calling me Shirley. Sorry. <laughs> um, Man, way to keep your references timely. Oh, movie's only forty years old. Right, I'm no, I'm nothing if not uh, old school reference guy. Um, all right. Like so what the, is? Uh, the, wait, the completely irrelevant. Did you see? The, oh yeah, you did. We we talked. Oh yeah, of course I sent it to you. That that I uh, that IKEA that that dude com- complaining about customers at IKEA like that like that just made me think of this. It is the funniest thing I've seen in like a year. Dead. <laughs> It, I I could not stop laughing. Like, can we quit? I'd like to do a podcast just breaking down those videos. Could we do that at some point? I think you all? should do a podcast. I think you should do a Wizards equivalent to that. Just oh, like what are the what are the things that people say that like the wizard? Hey, why don't the Wizards good? Just go get a uh, a first round pick. Well, why don't you why don't you tell them how to do that? Yeah. Right? Like what what are you gonna do? What, what, what do you want them to do? Trade uh you know trade Neto for a first round pick? Is that how you think this works? Yeah. Let's be realistic. <laughs> See, I see that was that rolled off the tongue. Right, you could do right, it we, easily. We 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 have we have a podcast here. Okay, well, uh, I'm gonna need some off season stuff here on my other one shortly because the uh, NFL draft is this week. So I'll need some. Don't call me Charlie. I right, I <laughs> I uh, I have a hot take. Speaking of Neto, I don't even know how hot it is, uh, but I'm gonna say it. How do you feel about? Because I, I I really believe this. I'm not just throwing this out there. I think Howell Neto has been the second behind Bradley Beal, the second most consistent player for the Wizards this year, and we don't really talk about him on the podcast ever. Maybe because he's so consistent, he just kind of gives them the same thing every night. Maybe some nights he misses some more shots, but he's just kind of pesky defense. And they've they've had so much inconsistency this year. And Westbrook is obviously having the better season to Neto, but Westbrook will give you something great on one night and then will, you know, miss eight mid-range bank shots on the next night and have seven turnovers. Certainly not consistent. Uh, I, I, I just, I feel like Neto is a guy who we don't talk about very much. And on a team that's had so many up and downs, had some injuries, it had the injury to Thomas Bryant, uh, you know, Rui will have some really nice nights and some absent nights as well. You look at the roster, Breton started the year really cold and has obviously been super hot lately, but still started really cold. They've they've really shuffled the back end of the rotation in and out. Ish Smith has been hurt. Neto has just been such a fixture. And, and 
is really having the best year of his career. He's he's a really annoying defender. Like you mentioned Nats earlier, his nickname is the Nat, and you can see why. He's just that that old bug that keeps flying into your eye. You keep trying to swat it away, and you think you kill it, and then it just comes back and flies into your eye again. You're like, freaking, this bug is so freaking annoying. And I, I, I just, he's been a fixture for them. And and he has been a consequential guy in this defense, uh, you know, jumping from the bottom of the league too. He's not to be ignored. He's been, he's been, a valuable guy for them and another another good pickup on on the margins okay one yesterday i literally had a gnat or bug fly in my eye and for 30 seconds i was uh thought i was you know gonna need uh the jaws of life to to, to work this out so that, that 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 just brought back some uh gave me the gave me the shakes um but yeah i i netto's been totally solid i actually was having this conversation yesterday with a, a friend of mine who's something of a wizards he's a wizards fan but slash skeptic to kind of what's what's going on recently, you know, because you know if you're if you're a fan of a certain age, you're going to be skeptical skeptical of anything that's that's being viewed as positive. But I was saying, let me ask you this question: If I if we if we would go through the the, the moves realistic the, the the moves in a, in a fair way that they made, I'm not saying this, the moves they made were the equivalent of you know getting Kawhi from the Spurs, you know, but. Here's the things that they did this offseason. You mentioned Neto, a guy they brought in. What what were our expectations? The 11th man, the 12th man, like no expectations for sure. Uh, whether he even makes the roster, I guess, on some level. I guess he was going to make the roster. But, you know, deep bench, whatever. He's been pretty much in the rotation to some degree all year. Annoyingly, at, at early on when Brooks was playing with the three-point guard thing. But beyond that, that's not Neto's fault. Um, he uh, the, the, the Wizards, they, they pick up Alex Land off the street. Uh, you know, what for whatever the reason Toronto moved on from him, that's fine. But they they pick him up, and he's obviously been a totally solid option. It was very was very fun against the Spurs and real power power dunks. They they signed Robin Lopez. You know, I know some people were quibbling about what the nine million dollars he got, but Robin Lopez. If we're going to talk about that consistency thing, like he's been pretty up there right most of the year, and you obviously in DA just wrote about um, you know how, how he's been efficient. Uh, in, inside, uh, what what else? Obviously, they make the trade, right? The, you know, we talked a bunch about Troy Brown, and maybe they never figured out what to do with him. But they moved on from that and got Gafford, who, as we just discussed, is looking like a legitimate thing. And look, let's not forget the Westbrook trade for you know giving up Wall in a first for Westbrook. Obviously, it was looking pretty awful early on, just because Westbrook we didn't quite know was he hurt or did he hit a wall. Clearly, it looks like he was just hurt. He's now playing at a level that's so good that, like, it's. I don't think anybody's lamenting at this point that first-round pick, although obviously it would be good if the Wizards, you know, contend for real, not just battle for the 10th seed. Um, all that, am I forgetting anything else? Like, all that stuff is pretty interesting. And, yes, I guess you can factor in that, you know, the Danny Avdia pick. He obviously looks like he can play. He's not there yet, clearly, for all kinds of reasons, and the season's ended early. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that, you know, we, we can say they could have done something else, but that pick is not looking uh, bad or anything. And obviously, you know, even, you know, going to the year before Hachimura uh, stepped up. So oh, by and large, Neto is an example of like a lot of these moves were not necessarily wild moves at the time beyond the Westbrook trade. And yet looking at each of them in, in totality, they've all done pretty well. And we're real, I think that's part of what we're seeing now with this streak. It's not just Beal and Westbrook playing well, but all these other pieces around them 
are uh, contributing. Even Anthony Gill, who's been a non-factor most of the year last night, uh, actually you know, ha- had some good moments in the first half. Yeah, Anthony Gill <laughs> coming out of nowhere is an incredible microcosm for all the stuff that's working well for the Wizards right now. You mentioned Denny, by the way. Uh, I, I didn't really get a chance to talk about his season-ending injury in the last pod, and I mentioned we would talk about it for a bit today. And, uh, you know, Denny obviously he has the fracture in his leg. Last week, he's out for another 11-plus weeks. Uh, they say he's going to make a full recovery, but clearly his season is done, and that's such an unfortunate way for a rookie season to end, even if it is full recovery. And on the whole, good news, you know, looking at the injury, it just looks like it could have been so much worse. And so you hear full recovery and no surgery, and you're like, all right, well, that's that's not it's not the worst case scenario, certainly. What 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 is what is your evaluation? Because you're you're the Denny Stan. I feel like what is what is your evaluation of his rookie season? Let's 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 dive into this a little further because I I didn't do it much in the last pod, and uh, you know he was the ninth ninth overall pick and deserves a little season wrap up here. Yeah, I mean, you probably can give a more thorough view because I'm not really looking at like all the other picks around him. I know Tyrese Halliburton is an obvious one. He could be rookie of the year. And, and you know, all the teams who did, you know, what was he, the 12th pick? So all, you know, most of the teams picking, um, you know, in front of that, you know, people will say, oh, they could have done that, but they could have taken him instead. Okay. But that aside, um, you know, I like, there's a lot to like about Denny, I think. I mean, his confidence is pretty obvious. His shot is, you know, Form-wise, looks a lot better than I was, you know, the way it was being described. It was a you know, real work in progress, and it's, it's, you know, still things to improve on, but look good. And, and I, I love pass, you know, passing forward types, and he clearly has a feel for the game as a playmaker. Um, I think, though, that, you know, I was talking about this with somebody uh, yesterday, that um, I, I guess my one concern is, and this is sort of, I think, the issue is what happened to Troy Brown a little bit, is... The biggest, it seems like the biggest strength of Denny's game is his playmaking to ability. Have the ball in his hand, you know, find teammates, you know, with, with his pass and so on. But that's not going to be an option really with Beal and Westbrook. He's going to be relegated to sort of being playing more off the ball. And right now, that doesn't look like where he's at. Now, maybe that evolves over time, uh, you know, sure. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. We may not see the best version of him possible over the next couple of years if they keep everybody else intact, which makes me then, I guess, I don't want to say question the pick. And right at the time they made the pick, they didn't have Westbrook, but I guess they wouldn't have had, they would have had a wall. It would be kind of the same thing. So that's the only thing I kind of wonder is like, are we going to be able to see the best version of this kid over the next few years, similar to how I think Troy Brown was um, minimized because of they, they had too many other ball handlers. But that said, I think Denny looks pretty interesting to me. And, you know, hopefully they do figure out a way to, you know, put him in position to be more of that playmaking, that more of that playmaker than just a guy who is off the ball. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, the weird thing about Denny, which is kind of a, you mentioned Troy Brown, I think it's a good comp, which is when you draft a guy in the first round, you kind of have to know what he is, you know? I, at least, maybe they have a better feeling internally than I do. But I don't really know what he is. He came in as a guy who can make a difference as a playmaker, a secondary playmaker even, and grab defensive rebounds and run the break. And we certainly saw some of that. We saw him move the ball well within the offense. We saw him run fast breaks. He has great end-to-end speed. When he gets a defensive rebound and goes, he is fast as hell for somebody his size. I mean, he can he can really move the straight line speed is extremely apparent. The IQ is apparent. The passing is apparent. But you just don't know if it holds up over any amount of volume because he didn't really have an opportunity to do it. The usage rate is ridiculously low. It's something like 11 or 12%. That's an absurdly low rate for somebody who you're trying to see if they can actually make an impact. And the way that they used him was basically, we're going to draft a playmaker and then we're going to Stick him on the sideline, and Westbrook's going to handle, and Beal's going to handle. We're going to try to teach him to be a spot-up shooter. And I just don't think you can get a feel for who he is as a player by using him that way. And I, I get they're trying to win. And I also get that playing with Russell Westbrook is not a conducive, like that's not conducive to developing a playmaker. You can't do that when you have Westbrook out there, and you certainly can't do it when you have Westbrook and Beal out there who are going to command over 60% of your offense just as scorers, let alone as ball handlers. Uh, So it's a very, it's a difficult thing to figure out. But that being said, it's just, you know, it's still unfortunate. I feel like that I, I, I don't have really a much better feel for who he is or who he will be than I did coming into the year because we just didn't get to see that much of it you know and I don't I don't know how they could have done it better because they have Westbrook and they have Beal but it was tough and some of it is on Denny by the way I feel like a lot of people just totally remove it off of Denny and say all right it's this is just a Westbrook a Beal and Wizards thing and it's how they're using him and nothing more and that's not necessarily the case he got he got very passive in moments and you know he's still learning how to be an active cutter and you know he would be passive which you know he's a rookie rookies are allowed to be passive it's fine but you know whether this is a criticism or merely an observation it's just kind of reality that i am just not really sure what he will be stylistically as an offensive player after seeing him as a rookie because he wasn't used in the way that he was built to be used, you know? Right. And, and, and that's the thing. I think, you, you know, like you said before that I sort of alluded to, but you said it more clearly, like you, you it isn't just enough to say, well, we drafted a, 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 a three man or what or certain position, like how does he fit in with the other pieces? And, you know, look, I don't think you always want to make every decision 100% based on, the fit sometimes you do have to take the best player and kind of figure it out. But yeah, in this case, again, they, they didn't know that they were going to have Westbrook at the time, but you know, he was still going to have wall. So that was going to be a comparable type of ball dominant player. Um, 
so yeah, it is kind of unusual. Like just to, just because I was thinking about it, uh, he didn't play yesterday with the Spurs. Like a pick or two after the Wizards took Denny, took Devin Vassell, uh, a, a three man, right? Devin Vassell, who I, 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 he didn't play last night. I have not seen him play, so don't. I have no idea comparison. But his 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 notion was this guy's more of a shooter, and he's shooting thirty nine percent from from three this year. He's averaging about fifteen minutes a game. Again, I, I don't necessarily know how he's comparing overall. It's not that's only one stat, but like that to me would therefore kind of make more sense, right? To have that type of player alongside Beal and Westbrook would be a better fit. Again, he could be more deficient in other ways, but that would be the type of thing like it would make more sense. And to your point, it's like going forward, it isn't just enough to say whatever what I look at Denny, what he is or isn't, but how does he fit in with the team? That's kind of important, especially when you have, you know, Beal and Westbrook guys who are going to be so ball dominant. Bertans is perfect. Because he doesn't demand the ball, and he, you know, obviously, could shoot the lights out. Denny is sort of not that guy, and that's why it'll be interesting to see how they fit. That's also why I think, you know, we said before, if they're going to like take that Robin Lopez money and use it towards somebody next year for agency, you know, realistically, a three-man would be the spot. In part because it's unclear that they have uh, somebody ready to go. Yeah, I like Vassell. I think he's going to be a good player, and I have no problem, by the way, with the Wizards not drafting based on fit. First of all, when the draft came, they didn't even have Russell Westbrook. So, you know, they had Wall, who's a similar player stylistically. But, you know, I, I, I understand the Wizards not only understand, I like it makes perfect sense why the Wizards would draft the player who they believe is the best available player as opposed to fit. They were coming off of a season in which they, you know, lost at a at a 50 loss pace. I mean, that's makes perfect sense why you take the player who you believe is, you know, the player who's the highest on your draft board, independent of fit. But the thing is that the developmental philosophy then has to match the best player available philosophy. If you're going to draft for fit and then throw a guy in for fit, okay. There are organizations who have done that, even as losing organizations, and eventually it's worked. I think Phoenix is a good example of that, even though, you know, Phoenix is winning now. And they, they had some picks who they got criticized for as reaches. I think Cam Johnson is probably the most notable. Where now we look at that Cam Johnson fit and we're like, damn, Cam Johnson's a legit, really contributive rotation player on the second best team in the West right now. And they drafted for fit in a lot of other situations. And it's been fine. It hasn't worked out ideally. Aiton was not the number one overall pick. Luca was. But Aiton is a very good player. And he works well next to Booker. And he works well next to Chris Paul, and that team is winning a lot of games. Then you look at other scenarios where they've whiffed. That's a team that is drafted on fit the last few years with varying results, I'll say. Again, drafting the best available player is 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 fine. It's great. Go for it. Bring in as much talent as you can when you're a team that's not winning games. But then the post-draft philosophy, the developmental philosophy, has to allow you to use that player the way that he's best being used. Uh, otherwise, like like you need cohesiveness between every level of the organization. I feel like it came out a little bit uh, in in various ways throughout the year. You know, I've mentioned a million times on the podcast how it came out with like the organization picking up Troy Brown's fourth year option and then him not playing, the organization declining Jerome Robinson's and him starting throughout the year and then Jerome Robinson starting three games and then three days later being released. Uh, it came out in ways like that where there just wasn't like a same pageness there. I feel like it came out a little bit in the draft strategy versus the developmental as well. But look, it might 
I mean, it still might work. I'm not, I'm not even saying that he's permanent. I'm not saying he's permanently stunted. What I'm saying is I don't know really what he is. And considering how little teams are practicing this year with how scrunch the schedule is, how little the wizards are practicing, how little they're being able to scrimmage with each other, uh, you know, when when the young players play a scrimmage, they're they're including coaches and stuff who might be former NBA players, but they're a lot of them aren't. Their developmental coaches aren't former NBA players. Uh, you know, the ones who are former NBA players are in their fifties. When when they're scrimmaging against coach against coaches, it's it's not the same thing as scrimmaging against Bradley Beal, who's not playing in those. So I, I just I don't think you can get a full picture on who he might be compared to another season even because of the lack of practicing, the lack of shoot-arounds, all that kind of stuff. Certainly they have a better picture than we do on the outside. But yeah, I and, just don't and, think yeah, it can and, be as good as usual. Yeah, and just to be clear, like, I, I think that, um, you know, I like Denny. I mean, I, I, I generally like his game. Like sort of, you know, saying before, like aesthetic-wise, aesthetic he, he's the type of player that I like. Um, I like passers in general. So that, that to me works. And, you know, there's something to be said for – you know, could they figure like right? So like Ishmith and Neto were both free agents. I, I'm not saying Denny would be like Troy Brown was at least sort of a sense like could he be your backup point guard kind of. That's not the thing with Denny, but you know, could you hypothetically, if you bring if if say Neto or Ishmith did not return and you brought in a point guard who's more of a just for argument's sake, more like a Seth Curry type, you know, a shooter more than a, a distributor, could you have a second unit where the ball runs through Denny more? Ver, the, you know that than it would be in almost any scenario here because Ishmith's gonna have the ball too. Could you have that kind of scenario where the ball runs through Denny Moore and you have shooters around him like that? If it's more of like a straight second unit thing, yeah, maybe maybe that's something that that would help as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, I I, I think Denny's interesting. Uh, I, like I said, as part of the broader picture, I, I think it's a fine. It, it looks like a fine choice, but to some degree, as you said, still need to see more to figure out exactly what he is in general and with the team specifically. Yeah, and to be clear, I'm not arguing, you know, Tommy Shepard said on draft night, I believe it was on draft night, said secondary playmaker, you know, which that doesn't mean secondary playmaker right off the bat. I just, you know, I wish I wish we could have a better picture of it. That's all. Uh, okay, we're doing the standing special. You know what the standing special is, or maybe you don't, because I've literally never used that term before. We're, we're if, you go to a, if you go to a deli, the delicatessen I like by my house, that's a uh, corned beef on rye kind of thing. But Yeah, with Russian dressing. Uh, we're picking schedule games because last time <laughs> we did this two years ago where you picked out random games of the schedule and you got like you got like 11 in a row near the end of the year before there was finally one wrong. And then we did it when we podcasted last week. And I forget how many we did, like six. But oh, I went back and listened. Oh, <laughs> you did your homework. You I actually guess, prepared I did, I for the podcast. Is, uh, yes. Yeah. Mark, mark, mark that down. Um, uh, people, I did homework this, this episode. Um, yeah, you made me predict six games and four in the book. And I went four and out. All right. So you had beat the Warriors, beat the Thunder beat the Cavs, which they did, and then lose to the Spurs, which you played it close, but they lost 146-143 in OT. Uh, I, will, I will let you re-pick on the Lakers, knowing that Anthony Davis is back. Home for the Lakers, first nationally televised game. 
we're we're picking the schedule and talking this out. They're twenty seven and thirty four right now, and tenth in the East. Um, what say you for the Wizards' first nationally televised game in like two years? Yeah, what 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 a world we're in that the Wizards are um, a team people want to watch. Um, I mean, so the Lakers, right? I mean, they've lost three of four. Utah two to Dallas. They beat Orlando, which you know that probably wouldn't have that probably wouldn't happen if Mo Wagner was with the Magic at that point. Um, <laughs> uh, so so okay, just to be clear, LeBron, as far as we know, is out on Wednesday, or we're not sure, but we think he's out probably. Yeah, I mean the latest update is no update yet. That is that is the information we're working with as we podcast. So let's right. let's so, assume he's out. So obviously, like the NBA national televised games, it's, it's a little bit different than like I, I like it, like say in a co- like colleges. I always like going against the upstart team that hasn't been in the big spot playing, you know, alma mater, you know, the big the big school like a Duke or, or somebody like that who's used to that spotlight. Like they're going to feel like a little too much pressure. But in this case, with Beal and Beal and Westbrook, I think this is an opportunity for them to show everybody what's what. And I think they're going to both rise to the occasion. And look, the fact that the Lakers, again, having watched zero seconds of this, other than I think I saw some highlights of them playing the, the Dallas the other day, um, you know, the, the, not, 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 doesn't look like they're on a hot streak. Um, and this is the last game for the Lakers of a four game road trip. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with it. I picked the Wizards when we did it the first time. Um, you asked me that game as well. So I'm, I'm going to stay with it. Uh, whatever, whatever I was, uh, eating or drinking or whatever else I was doing that they seem to be working. So I'll go wizards. Yeah. They've, they've traded water. They've traded water. Okay. Without their two stars. Like they're, if they get LeBron back for the playoffs, which I think they will, then they're going to be fine. No Caruso, by the way, is not anything to sleep on. He's, he's one of their best defensive guards. He's at, he's, he's a really good defensive player. And and if Caruso ends up not playing in that game where he, he tweaked his back the other day, if he ends up not playing in that game, then you know that's that's something that's he he would be important for them guarding guarding Beal guarding Westbrook he's 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 an important player for them so okay I like it next up you got to win over the Lakers one and no next up you got let's 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 breeze through them you got at Cleveland uh I picked the you had me pick the I picked the Wizards when you asked me the other day so Let's roll. I'll stay with the Wizards, even though it was close the other night, but I'll, I'll go with the Wizards. All right, 2-0 at Dallas. Now, Second night of a back-to-back at Dallas. Yeah, I, I don't know if this game will come down to Luka Magic. I feel like this could be where there's they don't just lose, but there's a bit of a drop-off, and they lose by you know eight or more points, so I'll go Dallas. All right, big, big home game Monday, May 3rd against the Pacers, which could make a difference. They got two remaining against the Pacers. Uh, could make a difference in terms of ninth place, considering they're they're two two and a half back in ninth right now. You know, it, it, it just in terms of like when you look like I'm I'm not saying I thought the Pacers were a contender, but it's almost one of the more shocking scenarios to see in the standings where they are because the Pacers have been nothing else but just consistently solid year in year out. Um, you know, being in that you know three to six range, it feels like almost every year, and now they're decidedly not. And uh, I, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna. Boy, I just keep picking the Wizards. I'm going to say the Wizards. One of the things with the Pacers that's going to be interesting, and they play them twice, is Miles Turner is hurt. And a lot of the Pacers' defense has to do with Miles Turner's rim protection. 
And the Wizards are good at getting to the hoop. They're really good at getting to the hoop now, and they're good at forcing fouls. I think the Wizards are a tough matchup for the Pacers. And that is not just consequential for the final two regular season games, but the way the post the play-in tournament works is seven plays eight in the first round, nine plays 10 in the first round, then the winner of nine versus 10 plays the loser of seven versus eight for the eight seed. And the Wizards would play the Pacers in a nine versus 10 game if the season ended today. Uh, I think they're a tough matchup for the Pacers with Miles Turner out specifically. They're just good at getting to the rim, and and that's going to be tough for them. So I, I'm with you. Home against the Pacers in a regularly scheduled game. Like I, I don't think the Pacers. I just I think that would be tough for them. I think that'd be tough for them. Even though Indiana obviously still has good players and Sabonis is a beast. Just in terms of contrasting styles, I think it's tough. And the Wizards are still playing well. All right, we got at Milwaukee. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say Milwaukee gets the uh, W there. Yeah, not bold. We've got at the Tampa Bay Toronto Raptors, uh, second night of a back-to-back after the Milwaukee game. Oh, man, if this was in Toronto, I would pick the Raptors. But as you pointed out, it's in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, uh, You know what? We've had some losses, but there hasn't been a two-game losing streak. So I'm going to call the loss that they've dropped that they drop a second game in a row here and lose at Toronto or at Tampa. All right. And then we've got third game of a road trip again at Indiana. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take, uh, wait, is that Atlanta? Is that Atlanta? That that's after that. Is that both games in Atlanta or just one Indiana? And then the two Atlanta games are after that. Right. I'm saying are the two Atlanta games in Atlanta or or are they both in Atlanta? It's a five game road trip total. All right, I'm going to say they beat Indiana. They lose. Uh, okay, they beat Indiana. They beat Atlanta, but then they lose to Atlanta the second time. Atlanta's playing really well. Atlanta's playing really well, and I think Trey Young will be back by then. It sounds like his injury isn't as serious. They're just they're playing really well. Clint Capella's having a great year. Bogdanovich is starting to turn it on. They're getting healthy. Atlanta's playing. They're playing really good basketball right now. Uh, home for Cleveland. Again, they play the Cavs like 30% of their schedule the rest of the way. Right. Um, yeah, it's, that's wild. I, I, yeah, I, I guess, you know, on the assumption that these games are still mattering one way or the other, um, I'll say I'll say they beat Cleveland. All right. And then finally, last day of the season could have play-in implications, even if they're not necessarily playing each other. Home for Eric Collins and the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, give me uh, give me the Wizards. I, I, uh, I'm thinking about revising the Atlanta one. I mean, maybe they lose both Atlanta games. I'm trying to, like, because I think if I have them beat, beating Cleveland and Charlotte, then that, that means they would have gone. Six and five if you have them winning. If you have them losing both Atlanta games and beating Cleveland and Charlotte, you have them six and five the rest of the way. Um. Yeah. Um. Ah. We'll we'll go. What they say, go first instincts. We'll just leave it. Beat beat Atlanta the first game, lose the second game. All right. So you have them seven and four the rest of the way. That would. Um. That seems aggressive, but here we are. That would put them at thirty four and thirty eight on the season. 
which is honestly right about where people, I mean, what was their over under about 34, right? That would put them right about after the slow start, right about where people had them and 34 and 38. I'm, I'm pretty confident that's getting them into the play in tournament. They go seven and four the rest of the way. That really means the bulls have to go Tampa and, and the Raptors have to go something like, you know, like eight and three, nine and two, whatever it is, nine and three, the rest of the way in order to just tie them. And those teams have, um, you know, those teams have the tiebreaker on them, but winning that game in Toronto or not in Toronto and Tampa would be really big for them because it just gives the Raptors an extra loss. And I don't think the Raptors, their players, I'm sure really want to make it, but I think the Raptors organizationally would be just fine getting a good draft pick and, and punting until next year. So yeah, seven and four. All right. That's the official, that's the official standing prediction. And you're, you're never wrong on these apparently. So, uh, all right. We got time for one Twitter question. And this one is is made for you. This one's from uh, Kike H.O.G. Uh, and he specifically says, which this one is for Ben. And you'll know why, because I just can't answer it. Which team does do you think will perform better next season? The Wizards or the Washington football team? Wait, say it again. Which team do you think will perform better next season? The Wizards or the Washington football team? Who do I think will be better next season? That's what you're asking me. That's that's what Kike Hog is asking you. Um, I'll say, oh man, I don't know. Uh, uh give me, um, I, I guess the football team. Ah. Boy, I don't, I don't, I don't know because it's like I'm trying to view it from like a record perspective. Um, I don't know. By the way, just for the record here, I'll just tell your audience the wizard, the, the football team has just made a trade while we're talking that I was trying to confirm while this was happening. Hence my, uh, hence my pausing. Uh, in any event, um, yeah, uh, that's pretty. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I mean, the football team, you know, they were seven and nine. There's momentum. They add Fitzpatrick. That should help a quarterback. The draft is about to happen. They'll get more stuff. But there's also there's a a really hard schedule next year, relatively speaking, you know, from winning the division and all that. Um, and the Wizards, like, yes, they're surging right now. But I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of variables. What's the coaching situation? You know, what do they do with the Robin Lopez money? You know, if they didn't keep Robin Lopez. Um, you know, what strides I'll go the football team, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'll go the football team. I love that. You're literally tweeting trade reports for another team in another league while we're podcasting. I'm looking at my t- Twitter right now. and I, <laughs> I see you tweeted it, uh, for what it's worth. When I put out the call for Twitter questions, a bunch of them were, if they make a play in, uh, if they make the play in tournament or if they make the playoffs to Scott Brooks, get renewed. Everybody says extension. I said in a Q and a with readers like two months ago, Scott Brooks is not getting an extension. I think people misinterpreted that as saying there's no way Scott Brooks, there's a 0% chance Scott Brooks is coming back next year. When I meant it, literally he's not getting an extension. His contract is up after this year. And I think the organization will evaluate after that. My answer to all the questions are if they make the playoffs, does it mean an automatic renewal or an automatic new contract for Brooks. If they make the plan tournament, does it mean an automatic new contract for Brooks? My answer to that is, I don't know. 
I don't know. I I don't even know if if they know to that degree of specificity. I just don't know. I I can't say yes. I can't say no. I just I don't know the answer yet. I would love to know the answer. It would be great to report it if I knew it, but I just I really don't. I really don't have any idea, and it's 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 hard to get a feel. Everybody at the organization right now seems to be at a at a, a really nice high. Uh, with the way that they're playing and 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 really believes that they've kind of hit a new stride and believes that the winning streak means they're they've really found something and that they can be a a good team the rest of the way and when I say good team I don't know I don't know what however you define good team but that they can be a win a team that wins more than they loses than they lose the rest of the way and I think people with the organization believe that I don't know what that means for Brooks his contract is up after this year uh wouldn't surprise me if there was a new coach next year uh, but you know, you never know. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know how the organization is going to evaluate it, depending on what might happen in the plan tournament or what might happen in a first round playoff series or whatever. So I, I really, I really don't know. I really don't know. Uh, unless Ben, do, do you have any more insight into that question than I do? Uh, uh, I do not. I do not. Uh, yeah, I don't I, think I, there is an answer. I don't think it's that like there's there's an answer out there and we haven't learned it yet. I just I don't think there's an answer to that question yet. I I I don't have anything to add beyond the insight you've provided um, at this time, which is no insight at all. Great. <laughs> Some, you know what? Here, here's what, here's what I can say about that. Like I I value people who do what we do who admit when there is nothing to add. Because I think too many people front that they have thoughts or takes or insight or sources or whatever, and they don't, or they feel the compel compulsion to. And I think we all have that at points. But like, it's okay to say I don't, I don't necessarily know yet, or I don't have this particular insight into it, or whatever. That's okay. Well, if you admire people who have nothing to add, you can subscribe to this podcast, and you can tell your friends about Wizards After Dark because Lord knows we're not, we don't have that much to add. Uh, you can go on iTunes. You can give us a five-star rating. You can leave a written review. Those always really help. And just tell your friends about the podcast if you really enjoy it. Your friends are Wizards fans. They want something to listen to. Uh, tell tell everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell everybody about uh, Wizards After Dark. And you can subscribe to The Athletic. You can read my stories. You can read Ben's stories. You can read David Aldridge's stories. You could read every single story and get a full subscription to the athletic. If you go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark and sign up for only three 99 a month, that's the athletic.com slash wizards after dark for a full subscription to the entire site gets you everything, gets you every single story you could possibly read. Also gets you this podcast and every other athletic podcast ad free only three 99 a month at the athletic.com slash wizards after dark. Uh, I had a piece with David Aldridge that came out earlier this week. David and I co-authored it about Robin Lopez's hook shot. I thought it was a really goofy story. And uh, Robin's just funny. He's a funny person. And the way the way he plays is just so quirky. And he has he just doesn't take himself seriously. Uh, he just he has a, a great sense of humor about himself. And uh, I I thought he was he was just really open to talking about his hook shot in a, in a very goofy way and kind of 
acknowledges the the quirkiness of it as much as everybody else who watches it too and when a player is able to look at himself with that perspective it can always lead to a it could lead to a really fun story and i had a great time putting that together and i know david did too we were laughing a lot when we wrote it about just kind of the analogies we were making with the hook shot and some of the quotes that we had in there. So you can go check that out over the athletic DC, which once again, if you're not a subscriber, the athletic.com slash wizards after dark, the NFL draft is this week and Ben does an incredible job covering the draft and covering the football team. So you can see all of his coverage, uh, Ben, anything that you got coming up that you want to tell the listeners about? Uh, I'm going to guess there will be a story about the trade that the Washington football team just made on the athletic at some point today. Uh, that's just a guess. Uh, I'll have like a final like Washington team only mock draft. I'm doing like a, a, a version Fred where I came up with like three scenarios. I spent an insane amount of time thinking this because not not because it's needed because I'm insane. And now they just made this trade and completely blows up at least one or two of them. So that's awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah. And uh, the podcast standard room only. I'll be talking about the draft a lot. There's a bunch of NFL draft cover content already on there. You can listen to that. And uh, uh, the, I will get Fred on there at some point after the NFL draft, mostly to break down whatever the Jets did, but maybe talk about the Wizards. Yeah, we could talk Jets. That's so. I have a very narrow-minded view of how I follow the NFL. It's really Jets or nothing. So, Although I know who Eric Flowers is. I know who that is. So that must well, be a big trade. So you should go on and read Ben's story about it. Uh, and you can read my stories. You can read everybody else's stories. You can uh, you can listen to Wizards After Dark. I'll be back with another episode. Kind of depends on what happens the rest of the week. I might be back with a second episode later this week. If not, I'll be recording another episode early next week. Either way, I'll talk to you guys soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.